0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need
1: Indeed. We're using the intersection of targets and ADP to find best ball wide receiver values on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at RotoViz. It is harder than you might think uh, on short notice because uh, I did not do a good job planning ahead to find a guest this time of year able to record at the very random times that I normally am. So it is another Dave only episode. But I promise you, this one is definitely going to be a completely fine solo episode. We're going to be answering a question that was sent in to us, and then we will be doing an exercise that I like to do every year, which is using the intersection of targets and ADP to find values, or I guess alternatively, players that are the opposite values of players that you know you probably would think about avoiding or players that appear to be overpriced at their ADP Uh, and tonight we will be doing the wide receiver position I'm recording this actually during the first preseason game of the year so it's very very exciting that we already now have football on very cool stuff but We are going to open here with a quick FFPC stat attack, talking about a running back uh, who has been a real pain in our sides, pain in the butt this year, and that is because different sites keep changing the way that this man is spelled, or the way that this man's name is spelled which creates a lot of issues in the database. You have to write a couple of things to catch which way his name's coming in. It's just a real nightmare. But anyway, here is tonight's FFPC stat attack. Uh, Kenneth Walker 3, running back out of Michigan State at 211, ran a 4-3-8-40, had a broad jump of 122 and a vertical of 30 for 18 rushing touchdowns in his third season of his career, his first at Michigan State, and ran for 1,635 yards. And when you put him through the Rotoviz uh, Sims tool in the Prospect Box Score Scout to look at what his Sims look like. Uh, you will find that Kenneth Walker, and I'm stalling here while I try to get the correct information in here, you will find that at a draft pick of 41, a weight of 211, and with a 40 of 438, and his college stats, his comparable players that are in the top 10 matches for Kenneth Walker Jamal Charles, the top one, David Wilson, Darius Geis, Ben Tate, Michaela Shore, Lamar Miller, Sean Green, Trey Mason, Kenny Irons, and Daryl Henderson. Pretty interesting mix there. Obviously, that Jamal Charles one becomes very exciting. Not a player that I necessarily would have expected to see. David Wilson, Darius Geis, both players, that had some extenuating circumstances that changed the trajectory of their career. So it's hard to look into those other than that, maybe the most interesting name would be Lamar Miller and then probably Daryl Henderson. So that's kind of a mixed bag, but that's a quick look at Kenneth Walker's uh, profile from college. And that will relate to the question that we received Uh, before we get to that though reminder to go to the ffpc play in the best ball leagues sign up for the main event get in the football guys players championship get in the rotoviz triflex leagues but you really need to check out the main event it is hands down the funnest best um most entertaining contest in all of the fantasy football industry That has been today's FFPC stat attack. Now let's get to the question here. So this question is surrounding Kenneth Walker. And this comes in from uh, one of our favorite readers and fans of the site named Frank uh, and his buddy Ralph. And basically what they're wondering is, what is our latest thinking on Ken Walker um and they kind of point out that we seem pretty low on him. Uh he's on a run first team, had some good measurables, second round draft capital, playing behind a guy made of glass that's actually only started in like six games of the last four seasons they said. Um so they're they're curious what our thinking is because he doesn't seem like a player that we're targeting. He's pretty low In our rankings, despite there being some elements um, to his profile that seem intriguing. So I think that the way I would contextualize this is if you look at the overall, the holistic encompassing profile of Walker this year, there isn't really anything there, in my opinion, that you can really rest your hat on. Um, in a reliable fashion, and there's really not that much that really gets you excited about tremendous upside. Uh, I think the upside that you could ascribe to him would mainly be that he could get this massive workload in Seattle. But I think that there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind. In my opinion, when I am looking at the way that Seattle has operated in years past, and then I'm considering the fact that you have this major change in how this team's going to be able to be able to function given that Russell Wilson is no longer there. And obviously that creates a situation where it's hard to say exactly what this team's going to look like. But one thing that's probably fair is if it's Drew Locke, if it's Geno Smith, it's fair to say that this team is not going to be able to function um, like a good to, or an average to above average type of team. I think a lot of people are expecting Seattle to be a team that struggles this year. Um, as a result of that, if you think about the type of play volumes that they'll be able to produce that run heaviness might not translate to as many runs as we might like. Um, And and I'm just quickly looking this up right here, uh, what the over-under win total for Seattle is um, in some recent numbers. And I mean, they're set at five and a half, right? So teams that rank in in that five to six win range don't get to run a lot of plays. Uh, Now, from a running perspective, I have Seattle in my projections coming in as just a little bit below the middle of the road. Uh, So I think it's probably somewhere around like team 13 or 14 in terms of rushing attempts. And the other thing that we've seen is historically, um, you do not see a heavy usage from running backs in this offense. I think that's probably going to hold even with the changes that we're going to see this year. So that play volume to start with, might not create as much opportunity as we'd like, given the fact that you do have Rashad Penny there. And I don't think it makes sense to bank on him being out for substantial portions of the season uh, because that's also assuming that if Penny goes down, then you have that entire opportunity share being taken over by a rookie that we don't know that much about yet. And I think we could likely agree that Seattle feels like the type of team that would be interested in mixing in other running backs to see how they do, right? So that's some of it. Then I think that the offense itself is probably not going to be able to give high quality type of opportunity could be tough for him to get down into the red zone. So you don't really have that much of an outlook on the red zone work. You don't have that much of an outlook as a passer. Looks like he's going to be playing in an offense that's not that great. Pretty below average quarterback play likely coming. So this is a long-winded way of saying, I think, the main um, selling point for him right now would be the depth chart and where he slates in and the fact that Penny might be, uh, in some people's mind, injury prone. And then he'd just be dealing with DJ ja- uh, DJ Dallas, Travis, Homer, um, and, you know, maybe any other player that they might bring in, depending on what would happen with Penny's injury. But I think if they're both playing, you're not going to see, um, you're probably going to see a, a split that uh, is not what we'd be looking for in a player like Walker. So I hope that sheds some light on it. I think it really just comes down to the profile that you get for a player like Walker this year is one that we don't believe realizes, uh, those exciting parts of his range of outcomes that often. And you're also kind of hoping that he can hit at the right time, which is one of those things that you're hoping for very often with rookie running backs. Uh, but, I (laughs) You know, it's also kind of one of the knocks on Penny. People have really liked him because he's managed to have these big performances at the ends of seasons. Of course, you might argue in his case, when he's available, he's had the big games. Curtis might point that out. Um, But I think this is kind of belabored that point enough. So that's why we are where we are on Walker. But... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to
0: hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
1: let's move along here because I now want to talk about using the intersection of targets and ADP and that sound effect there, I don't have headphones on might've made no sense in the context of when I started and when I cut it off. So we're we're just going to deal with it. Um, So one exercise that I like to do, especially for wide receivers where we know that target volume is such a significant driver of a player scoring and that it, there's a very strong relationship between targets, wide receiver scoring, target rank, wide receiver rank in terms of fantasy points, that it makes sense to look at ADP and then compare that ADP to expectations that we might have for particular players in terms of the amount of work that they're going to receive. This is a pretty easy way to determine if a player looks to be very overvalued or very undervalued. Of course, you have the caveats here of ADP isn't perfect. You also have the caveat of projections are very hard to nail down. But let's be honest, ADP at this point is pretty informed by projections. So we can look for discrepancies and then think about if there's a compelling reason as if they make sense. So I went through the exercise of comparing my projections and... Um, underdog ADP, um, recent ADP. So I basically went into the road of his projections, downloaded them, sorted them by target, assigned each player, each wide receiver, rank based upon where he fell uh, when sorted by target. So you have Justin Jefferson, one, Cooper Cup coming in at two. Unsurprisingly, they're ranked one and two in underdog ADP. But the first place where you see a big discrepancy, Deontay Johnson comes in at third in expected targets in my projections with a rank of 23. Now, I could easily be too high on him, but that's a pretty big delta. And what we see is that both Johnson and Chase Claypool are being undervalued from that perspective of targets versus ADP by significant margins. So Deontay Johnson, there's a gap of about... 20, Chase Claypool, a gap of 25. And I am sure that this goes back to quarterback play. Now, we've talked about this a ton, that Ben Roethlisberger last year really struggled and that it's possible no matter who is throwing passes this year in Pittsburgh in a game, be it Trubisky or the rookie, that could actually be better for um the team's wide receivers. So <laughs> Deontay Johnson last year, right, he finished the year eighth in overall PPR and eighth in overall PPR per game. Um in 2021, he was at 21 in PPR per game and 21 in total PPR. Uh very consistent in that regard. So to um, expect this drop from eight down to around wide receiver 23 this year, I think that's a pretty steep drop when there's really not going to be an expected change um, or a significant change in target volume. I don't think that it would make sense to expect a major reduction in terms of his efficiency. Um, So I think that both Claypool and Johnson are players that there's been an over adjustment based on that quarterback situation. Um, if there is a compelling argument out there, um, you know it's it's not one that seems to be factoring into what I'm thinking. Another pretty big delta is Elijah Moore. Um, now reports are coming out that he's the clear number one. I don't know how much that means between him and Garrett Wilson. Um, I do though expect that he will be the most heavily targeted jet. So I actually have him at 18 in targets. He's going around wide receiver 33. uh, So that's one of the bigger deltas that I'm seeing. Now, Elijah Moore, we've talked a lot about him last year, ended up having a rookie year that profiled very impressively. And there were challenges like most rookies have in his uh, first year in the NFL. And we saw that it took a little bit of time for him to really start to pick things up it wasn't, uh, you know, until the back half of the season, he started seeing significant usage um, between week seven and week 13 had three wide receiver one performances and a 27 spot in a nearly 30 point spot in week 11. Uh, you would expect that this offense is probably going to be a little bit better this year. I think that would make sense. So one of the things that I'm imagining is that there's a little bit of a uh, of a discount here because of the fact that there's now you know some other players in that offense. But this looks to me like it's a bit of an overcorrection. Um, so I think that he's a player that has become a value right now. Uh, the other players that stand out to me, and actually Garrett Wilson also. Uh, from this exercise appears to be a bit of a value, but the other two players that really stand out here are Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, um, who both are at 20. They're both in very similar spots in terms of targets. They rank 29 and 30th. And this is largely because they are going to absorb such a significant target share of the passing attempts. In Tennessee that even if those passing attempts from a team level perspective aren't that high it will give them a pretty significant volume and they're both being drafted in the 40s so those are probably two guys to consider adding Um, in builds that I have though I will admit it has not been easy with the way that uh, i have been building my teams to get this guys on a lot of them they tend to fall at a point where i've already built out my receivers in a way where i don't want to be going to the position but that's something to think about there now if we turn our attention off of players that appear to be values uh there's a couple of players that are looking to be overdrafted now this is probably it's going to be interesting to see what happens here right Portland Sutton, I actually had at 39 in terms of target volume. This isn't this does take into account Tim Patrick being out and he had an ADP of wide receiver 16 creating a delta here of 23. Now, I would not be surprised if we continue to see his ADP pick up a little bit in light of the Tim Patrick injury. So, one reason though that I think you could overlook the Delta in this case is that there does seem to be some pretty good upside for sudden it's possible that Denver takes such a large step forward or things change so differently with Russell Wilson there that it's hard to actually build out that projection in terms of targets and perhaps sudden is, well I, I do believe he's a good receiver and we might see this really get put together with Wilson there. So I'm okay Uh, With the reaching on sudden, I think in comparison to some of these other players, because there's more ways that I could realize myself being substantially off here um, than some of these other players, Allen Robinson uh, getting selected with an ADP of 22, but really just a target volume of 42. This is another case, though, where I am less inclined to be concerned about this of course if it turns out that Matthew Stafford is you know dealing with something significant that could change but I think that we saw it last year the Rams one of the best offenses in the league should set Robinson up to have quality targets a team that should be able to score a lot it's going to put up a lot of yards Um, could easily surpass my volume expectations that he have uh, because you know it is possible that maybe 3% of the ridiculous share you would expect expect for Cooper cup could go towards Robinson. So given the context of his offense, this does not really feel that egregious. Um, An interesting one to note too would be Gabe Davis, who I have at 47 in terms of expected targets, and he is going at wide receiver 21. Now the reason for this is pretty obvious Young player playing with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. One of the best offenses to be in from a fantasy perspective. So I can definitely understand why people would be very keen on going after Gabe Davis. Now, I'm just going to read off the line that I end up with for a projection for Gabe Davis Puts him at 98 targets, 58 receptions, five receiving touchdowns, 812 yards. Could I be off on him? Yeah, I think so. If I am off on him, I would say that one of the, the type of line that you probably could expect for him might be something like, I don't know, seven touchdowns, 1,000 yards. And I think receptions could be around like, I don't know, somewhere between 80 to 95, at which point that would put him into that uh, range where maybe he's somewhere between like wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 24. So I don't have a major gripe with this. I do think that it's worth popping into the range of outcomes tool though and thinking about what his range looks like from a historical perspective. Now, keep in mind this tool is going to look back two seasons. It's aware of where he is in his career and it knows what he did last year and it creates a much more pessimistic outlook for him, putting his median projection of points per game at 8.9 and his high at just 11.5. Uh, historical distribution scores, which we've talked about also, um, show that his distribution this year is certainly not the greatest. Um, in fact, I'm scrolling through here and I actually have to look it up. We have Gabe Davis coming in, uh, geez, past 40, um, past 50 coming in at wide receiver 60. So there's definitely compelling reasons to correct for this. Uh, But I will say when you start looking into a lot of the data that could underlie your expectations for him, that does feel a little too rich. Uh, I'm going to take another... I think that I've hit upon all of the players that are ADP... With ADPs where it really matters. The only other guy that I do want to highlight here is Marvin Jones in Jacksonville. Um, He is going... At wide receiver 74 i have met 48 in targets so that is a pretty big delta um if you're going to be a high volume best ball player i think he's one of those guys you want to make sure that you have some level of exposure to uh as we've talked about you really have to write off last year um for jacksonville for trevor lawrence and a lot of that uh it's hard to say exactly what things are going to look like but with Doug Peterson coming in I think that there's reasons to expect this team taking some step forward. Now last year um in that offense which you know again it's really hard to extract much from last season and take it forward. Let's just take a look at what Jones did. You know, he finished as the wide receiver 45 So my projection has him falling in somewhere around there was a wide receiver three in 71% of weeks. Um, If you look at his game logs and you look at his target share, you will see though, that there was a lot of weeks where he was in that 20 range um, kind of fluctuated between 14 up to 33. So I think you could be looking at an average for him. Um, this year, if somewhere around like a 17, 18% target share, so certainly not a player that's going to make a huge impact for you, but it does appear that he's being drafted later than he likely should. So uh, I always think that is a useful exercise, another way to kind of contextualize ADP, and if it makes sense, uh, we will run through this for running, excuse me, we'll run back. Uh, we'll run through this for running backs and tight ends. At another point um this summer, and hopefully um we can make it through this preseason stretch here without too many injuries. I say too many because we know that they are inevitable, but hopefully they're kept as minimal as possible. All right, I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow@gmail.com Show at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at CabinF and at C. NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat